building relationships and thinking about what's important to each individual person in the business process. Again, to the customer, the vendor, the employee, the owners, the bank even. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, I'm welcoming the show Jay Janung. She is the CEO of Gobi Heat, which is the premium US heated apparel brand. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. I'm excited to chat. So what types of products is the premium US apparel brand bringing to market? What are you guys selling on your website? So I would say the the average... uh, customer who goes to our website will see a lot of heated apparel. Um, we, we try to give a lot of options. Historically, heated apparel had been, you know, the black soft shell jacket that you could get at Home Depot, um, primarily for men. Um, and, you know, the, the value prop at that point was that it had heat and that, that was basically it. What we're doing is we're making the best heating system with the best battery and we're being very thoughtful about the customer and what their experience is, what they're doing while they're wearing the heated apparel, what their pain points are, how we can solve that. And we're adding a whole lot of style to it as well. That's fantastic. We're, we're also selling, though, in, in, in more recent years, we've branched out to other heated gear is what we're calling it. So we have heated chairs, heated stadium seats, heated portable blankets. You can literally take these things anywhere. They're all wireless. Uh, last year's big launch was the heated hammock. This is basically a heated portable tent that you can throw in your backpack. And uh, that's really starting to gain a lot of traction. That's amazing. Now, where did the idea for this business come from? Did it start with a product? Where, walk me through that. Back in, um, let's say 2015, um, I was dating my husband and, um, it was this ongoing bit in our relationship that I was always freezing and he was always hot. And I think a lot of couples can relate to that. I would say that ours is probably a little firmer, further on each of the two extremes, but, um, he was a plumber at the time and had seen a, one of the tool brands. They make some heated workwear and he had purchased me a heated jacket. I think it was half a joke and half an act of love and, um, gotten it to, to me just, just as a, just because gift. Um, at the time I was in uh, product development, project management and, uh, after a couple of weeks, he says to me, so how do you like that jacket? And I said, you know, I really love the concept, but it was kind of poorly executed. And like, even I could do better. And at the time I hadn't done any, um, any projects or re- really run in any companies of my own um, outside, you know, little self-employment opportunities. So he said, well, you should do it. And I was like, Okay. Um, but, but he encouraged me and, um, you know, 
So that resulted in what was our first jacket. Uh, I bought a hundred jackets that first year. Um, and I was nervous as I'll get out. Didn't think it was really going to work. And it did. And, uh, we, uh, continued to innovate and add color and add style. And, uh, with Mark's background in, uh, the trades, right? He was a plumber for 30 years. Um, that allowed us to be very thoughtful about the folks that are working out in the cold, whether they feel like going out there or not, right? It's still their job. If you're, if you're just, you know, if you're someone that wants a heated hoodie for hiking, then you can decide not to go hiking that day because it's cold, but you can't decide not to go to work because it's cold. So we've been very thoughtful about our workwear, which does very well for us. And um, we've, we've translated that, that deep thought and research into all of our products. Absolutely. I feel like, uh, we skipped over a few parts that I have to dial in and ask ask about. So sure. you have the idea, you get this jacket, and you you know you can get you can do better. I feel like we skipped a few steps between that part and ordering a hundred jackets. So <laughs> yes, probably. Let's 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 kind of walk through that a little a little bit uh, more systematically. So what was the next step after you're like I can do this better? What what do you do? Do you, you reach out to people you know to, about product development. Do you start looking at companies overseas to produce this? Um, why a hundred jackets? Like, why didn't you start with some prototypes? Walk me through all these these kind of trains of thoughts. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you're right. We, we missed a lot of steps there. So yeah, it started with researching what the supply chain looks like for heated apparel. What the battery supply chain looks like for heated apparel. Um, what the uh, what the appropriate, like, what do I want my heat system to be? Do I want a five volt system, 7.4, a 12 volt and why? And so it started with a lot of research. I was lucky enough to be working and have worked with a lot of engineers and electrical engineers. One of my best friends, um, is, uh, a senior director of a engineering team at a medical device company. So if he didn't know it, then he had a guy working for him that knew it. So I was lucky to have a, a network that allowed me to do a lot of really solid research. And yeah, I did. I sampled, I prototyped. Um, and then, you know, when, when you're dealing with mass production, you're dealing with minimum order quantities. And so that's where my um, negotiation skills came into place, where they all want a thousand MOQ for four sizes in one color. And I just knew that wasn't going to launch it. I knew that that I needed to be able to sell to men and women. I needed to sell a variety of colors and appeal to different tastes and needs. And, and again, it goes back to that. What is the? It's not about what Gobi Heat needs. Meaning, Gobi Heat needs to buy a thousand black jackets. It's what the customers need. What problem are we solving? And so I was able to negotiate uh, that first year um, four colors with a hundred MOQ. And so, um, which, you know, now, now I don't think I would even try to do that now because I know better, but I had no other choice. And we were able to do that. And I'm actually sitting in the very room now. I'm, I'm visiting family, but I'm actually sitting in the very room where we loaded the first 10 boxes. Um, and I remember unloading those first 10 boxes thinking, oh my God, what have I done? I can't do this. And so really a lot of credit goes to my husband, Mark, for just, you know, 
basically being my personal therapist. And so anyone out there who is trying to go into e-com and you're thinking, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. Find your personal therapist, find your positive person in your life to say, yes, you can. And if it doesn't work, here's what we'll do. And, and that was really liberating for me to allow me to go out there and take some risks. I've got a follow-up question that I know listeners are going to want to know. You said, I even know better now I wouldn't do 100 orders. What advice would you give for someone that is running into manufacturing uh, minimum orders for their first round when they're like right after their prototype phase? What do you wish you knew back then? What, what I would do is talk to people. I would build the relationship. And that's essentially what I did. If you need a hundred MOQ, if you need someone to get your MOQ down, you explain to them, show them, get them in the same boat as you and say, okay, we're rowing over there. We're all going over there together. Your job is to help me get there. The way you're going to do that is this first order. You're going to give me this MOQ. You're going to make less money on it. But in the next five years, you're going to make a lot of money because you did this and you'll be glad you did it. And really, I do feel like building relationships and thinking about what's important to each individual person in the business process. Again, to the customer, the vendor, the employee, the owners, the bank even. What is driving them? What's motivating them? How can you meet their needs while all going in the same direction that your e-commerce boat is going in? That's a great question and a great answer. Um, okay. So we've got these products. You're, you've got them in. How do you sell them? What was the go-to-market strategy? How are you getting these in front of potential customers? There was no strategy. Honestly, there really wasn't. This was... And I'll, I'll just be very honest with you. This was going to be something that I was going to do in this very basement um, for the rest of my life, a few weeks a year when it was cold, and um, I would still have a day job. There was absolutely no strategy. Um Honestly, I didn't know anything really about, I, I know how, I know how to do product. Um, and now I know a lot more about marketing, but at the time there really wasn't one. And so I do encourage people to do your research. Um, don't do what I did and, and have a strategy. Ours, I mean, the strategy really kind of was built out of product and not to beat a dead horse. It's about offering something. You know, just the fact that we were offering color at the time was groundbreakingly simple. And so offering color and reaching out to women was something that really hadn't been done um, at the time. And so that I would say was the strategy as far as the thinking, as far as putting the ads together and the budget for the ads and all the ad spend. I just made it up as we went along. And I had, you know, I, I, I had contractors that worked for me and they knew what they were doing, but, um, sort of. And, uh, we, we just kind of iterate and continue to improve. Absolutely. Do you remember how long it took you to sell through that first 100 order? Oh, um, not very long at all because I do recall that I was able to get back on with the same vendor that I, talked into my vision and say, Hey, I need, um, another thousand jackets. And so the next order was a thousand jackets. And I think we launched just kind of ad hoc two or three other jackets that year. Cause it just 
started to gain, gain steam. And so that first year we sold 600 jackets. And gaining that steam, uh, you mentioned ads earlier. Was that your uh, primary channel for new customer acquisition? It was. And, you know, this was 2016. So it was a little, it was a lot more economical to do it back then. Um, now we're being forced to be a little more creative. And I think that's good for everybody. There's some, there's some pain that comes along with that. But, you know, just loading up your Google ad or Facebook ad budget, it, you, you have to work harder at it now than ever before. So let's fast forward a little bit. You are selling these jackets. You're 10xing your orders to your uh, vendors. Um, when did you realize like this isn't going to be a side hustle anymore? I got to go all in on this. Yeah, I ask myself that a lot. So I would say, I mean, the one answer is I did not take a paycheck for two and a half years. I knew it was growing, but I knew that taking a paycheck wasn't going to serve the ultimate uh, goal. You know, we needed to plow as much money back into inventory, as much money back into ads as we possibly could. And there were some growing pains early, you know, um, it, you know, just one day it occurred to me, I'm really bad at customer service. I need to hire a customer service person. So, you know, it all just kind of happened to me a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I finally started working full time on it probably a year and a half into it. That's amazing. And was there any kind of, uh, contributing factors to that within the business that you recognize it's like, all right, this is the time. Yeah, we we were seeing we were seeing a lot of growth, right? Like so we were I mean th from year one to year two, we grew 10x. And from year two to year three, we grew 2.3x. And so um the the growth early on was almost overwhelming. Um, for with, you know, I mean, I know a lot of tech companies will see that or a lot of companies will see that, but these are well-funded projects with well-staffed, uh, organizations. Th this was me in my basement. And so that growth re really took off. And so that, that's when, you know, when we were starting to see seven figures, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. But I still get surprised by my own company. It still happens. Like I still have mental blocks where I'm like, yeah, but we'll never be here or we'll never be there. And that's where Mark continues to be um, useful. He's like, well, why not? Why couldn't you be there? And he's right. He's absolutely right. In that same, uh, you know, positive outlook, is there anything I didn't ask you about today that you think would resonate with our audience that you want to share with them? Yes, I do. Um, so... I would say one thing that I've learned that I wish I'd understood about other CEOs that I'd worked for over, over the time where we're CEOs are not great at everything. We're not all great accountants, product developers, marketers, salesmen that we have our core competencies just like everybody else. Right. And so I would invite founders to look at what they're good at and then really explore what you're not good at and 
research those other items. There are some things that if I'd known what I know now, I would have done things differently. Uh, there were things that I allowed to not work longer than I should have allowed them to not work. Um, and then my final piece is it's not enough to have the best product. Gobi Heat has the best product and we still get outsold. So you have to be have the best product and the best marketing and the best customer service and the best logistics. You, it, it, it's not just one thing. And so you, uh, you have to find those people that are going to elevate all of the tenants of your company because otherwise you just get you just get off center and it doesn't matter if you have, it doesn't matter. You could have the worst product and the best marketing and you might do better than the best product. And so you have to find that balance. I just want to agree with everything you just said, specifically about doing that self inventory, finding yes. out what you're good at, and then also understanding what you're not good at. These will be the first things you need to outsource, but you need to be able to speak about them uh you need to understand them so you know you're hiring someone that can do a good job. And, and I failed there. I have, I have made in the past made mistakes where I'm not good at this thing. You know the right words about that thing. Therefore, you must be good at that thing. And that is, that is flawed thinking. Uh, because somebody can talk the talk more than you can. Uh, that doesn't mean they're good at it. Um, and so, that's where I encourage you to reach out to your network, your, you know, other founders become part of founders groups. And, you know, there's myriad founders groups on LinkedIn and Facebook and have these conversations and be vulnerable. Say, I don't know how to read a profit and loss statement. Where would you go to get, you know, up to speed on that? Just you, you've got to be really honest with yourself. Um, and that's really difficult to do because you get you get a little bit of, oh, I have a million dollar company, right? Like I got to figure it out. You don't. You absolutely don't have it figured out. You, you've sold some things. That's it. And so you, you need to be, you, again, you need to be vulnerable and you need to be very honest with yourself. That's amazing. And then I, I, I also just want to repeat what you said right after that, which was you can have the worst product in fantastic marketing and potentially do better than people that have the best product. And that's definitely a limiting factor and a belief I see with a lot of young e-commerce startup founders is they are so passionate about their product and they may have the best product. Yeah, You start asking them about their go-to-market strategy and about how they're going to get this in front of potential customers. And it's not necessarily there. And 99% of the problems that ex people experience in that zero to one stage going to that getting to seven figures is all sales related. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's little things that can trip you up. It's uh, we were terrible at inventory control for a couple of years. And so we were putting out all this money for ads and they were converting and then we didn't have the thing. So we canceled it and refunded. Now, if you're a product developer, you're not thinking about inventory control, UPCs and scanners. You're thinking about, you know, the, how can it be the best? How can it be big? 
far and away better than everybody else has even thought it could be. Um, so as with all things in life, you have to find the balance. That hurts me inside because we're reco- everyone we're recording this. It's the first week of October. We're getting into Q4, and just the thought—the thought of selling something and <laughs> having to refund it—is uh, terrifying for me right now. Um, Jay, we talked—we talked a lot about how amazing your product is. Like, let's shout it out again. Let the listeners know if they're interested in checking out the heated apparel. Where should they go to check out your products? Go to gobiheat.com, which is G-O-B-I-H-E-A-T.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story and being very honest about a few areas I feel a few people haven't touched on as deeply as you have. Uh, Jay, thank you so much. Thanks, Chase. Thanks for having me on. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own businesses. You can find all the links in the show notes. You can subscribe to the newsletter at honestycommerce.co to get each episode delivered right into your inbox. If you're enjoying this content, consider leaving a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. Lastly, if you're a store owner looking for an amazing partner to help you get your Shopify store to the next level, reach out to Electric Eye at electriceye.io. Until next time.